Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC Sports. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. It is Thursday, November 11th. And uh, yeah, we're talking Virginia Tech football. Uh, horrible performance against Boston College. Basically didn't get off the bus or even get on the plane to Chestnut Hill, whichever way you want to put it. We'll talk about that. And uh, as we continue to count down the days to the end of the Justin Fuente era, we're going to talk a little bit of Hokies Hoops. Big, uh, big win over Maine to get the season kicked off. And uh, we're going to preview Duke. Uh, so last game at home in Lane Stadium this year. But before all that, Tim. What's going on? A lot and nothing all at the same time. Um, you know, just recently moved into this house. And as I casually adjust the volume on this mic, so disregard whatever I'm doing with my free hand here. Um, I'm still trying to figure out the light switch situation. And I'm hoping it makes sense to me at some point, but I am not at a point where I know what light switch does what. It's honestly driving me insane at this point. So I'm hopeful that eventually I will understand the routing of all the light switches and it won't take me flipping six or seven different switches to turn on the light I'm hoping to turn on. So yeah, that's what's going on in my life. Back to you. Yeah, I've lived in my house for a little over a year and a half now, and uh, I still don't know what the light switches do. There's there's some light switches I, I can't get to work. I don't know what it's connected to. Yeah, it's that's the one that gets me is when you flip a switch and there's no immediate reaction. I then have anxiety about what I've caused and what yeah, I'm not saying. Like, Did I turn on I... the gas fireplace? Right. What's going on here? Um, right. Do I smell rotten eggs? You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, we you had a kind of wing it. We came across a weird smell today in the uh in the hallway yeah. going out to the garage and i can't figure out what it is just like what what's going on here but is it like a like a dead smell it smells like carpet that has been wet for days and has Ooh, begun to dry well musty a little bit yeah but there's no reason it should that should be the case so you know it's just yeah. it's the mysteries of life I just remember my dad as his go-to was always, oh, something died in the wall. You know, as I don't know how many times something had died in our wall. I mean, I'd be lying to you. Corpses back there. I'd be lying to you if that didn't run through my head. I'm like, did something crawl in this wall somehow and die? Your dad. That was yeah. Two things dad can do: they can pinpoint the smell of a rotting corpse through a wall, and they can know when their thermostat has been touched at any time. So you've got it in your genes, man. I'm a big thermostat guy. I, I like it on 67 degrees or cooler at all times. <sighs> this isn't like a thing. It's just the number I settle on. 69 feels like a good temperature to me. 68, 69. Yeah. Um, you know, you go into my I like it below house, 70. She's got it set at like 76. And, chi- and she's chilly. <sighs> I did not come from you. I can tell you that. 76, yeah. I'm sweating. You know what I mean? It's too much. Yeah, that's um, that's a little crazy, but you know, we uh, we didn't have the show the week of uh, the week of Halloween, and one of the things I'm dealing with right now is uh, the the trick or treating bag is still lingering around the house. Yes, it is. Um, I was extremely disappointed uh, that there were no Sour Patch Kids <laughs> this year really? in the daughter's bag, which. 
uh, which was really frustrating, actually. We got but some people around here, they give out, um, you know, the, the king size candy bars or like regular size candy bars, which, you know, is that, is that like a, there. yeah, is you that like a brag, like candy look how much money I make? Well, I mean, I, I don't can know. That was always afford the... to put king size candy bars in your bag. The rumor is kids. There was a, a neighborhood called Preston near where I used to live. And the, the rumor going around the school was if you went and trick-or-treated in Preston, you know, they had their own golf course and everything. They were giving away king-size candy bars. So congratulations to you. You've attained that status at a very young age, living in a king-size neighborhood. Oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like what what are you pulling out of the bag right now? What are you, what's your go-to? I really like nerds, man. I don't know what it is about nerds, but I think it's because I only ever come across them at Halloween. Like I'm never just showing up to a gas station and slugging down like a, I don't know, like a big cardboard box size thing of nerds, but you get them in the Halloween boxes and there's, they're the little perfect mouth shot size where you just pop it and bang them all in your mouth at once. It's it's like a shot of candy. Like that's the closest to a shot of candy you can get. It's a thing of nerds. It's awesome. Yeah. Dude, my only complaint is it seems like we have two colors. There's purple and then there's like a, a light pink. And my favorite yeah. nerds I've ever had were like a rainbow color. This was a while ago. I don't know if they still make them, um, but I'm just saying mix it up, like throw some other colors out there. There's got to be more than two flavors of nerds out there right now. Yeah. That's my only complaint, Willy Wonka, if you're listening, uh, remedy that. Yeah. It's been a, um, it's been a pretty standard halloween bag for me but you know is what it is i've been i just had a snickers peanut butter bar earlier i don't know if you've ever had one of those but once or twice lights out it was it was good it was good i think it wrecked the workout i had earlier but you know is what it is it did yeah at work the um the credit department at work is in a different wing and they they keep a candy cabinet over there i've learned um and stock varies throughout the year but for whatever reason i handful more than a handful a bucket full of fun size packs of peanut butter m&ms showed up and let me tell you having that within walking distance is a problem killing those peanut butter m&ms yeah yeah there's no doubt but let's uh let's jump into it let's start on a positive note here tim we're going to talk um talk a little hokey soups first as we get started here yeah boy Um, and uh you know, an 82-47 win over Maine, um, which, you know, it was Maine. Nothing to get, like, too excited about. But I, my biggest takeaway was they came out. They took care of business. Um, it was good to see a Virginia Tech-style uh, team uh, win um, like they were expected to win. You know, they, yeah. they went out there. They were expected to, to win by at least 27 points. I think that was the line. And, uh, and they did that. So... Um, I mean, you know, it was it was a pretty good performance all around. I mean, I thought Justin Mutz looked really good. Um, Aline was pretty smooth from the line. Um, you know, I think um, David, uh, is it Geeson? 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 We're guessing the yeah. Geeson? I don't know. Um, the N is silent. That's what I know. But 15 points, 7 for 7 from the field. And... Uh, a little bit of a surprise, but Ojiako played uh, quite a bit more than than I was expecting him to play. So um, I thought that was awesome. He actually looks kind of like a basketball player now, which um, is good because he was a, a very raw kind of talent coming into the program. So 
you know, not much to take away from the game, really. I mean, other than I thought the team looked good, um, you know, some things to clean up per usual. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to game two, which is against Navy and the I think it's the Veterans Classic or what's the name of the tournament coming up this weekend. Um, but Virginia Tech will play Navy first and then uh, the winner of uh, Utah State and Richmond, I believe. And then Navy, big win over uh, big win over UVA this week. Uh, you know, I was just mentioning how it's nice to see player development. I thought Ojiako looked really improved. Um, you can see how he's taken multiple steps forward. I think I'm guessing, as you mentioned before, looked really good. Obviously, one of the highest scorers uh, of the game for the Hokies. And the thing that gets me is just after not seeing it for so long was the ball movement in Mike Young's offense. It's just a joy to watch. I mean you're hardly ever going to get a lack of open shots in this offense, which if you are having a night where you're having trouble shooting, this should help avoid slumps. If you've got some guys that can knock down shots, Aline looking great, looking deadly from three. Um, basically everything we wanted to see in the first game we saw, and that's huge uh, for Virginia tech for Mike young, for the athletic department, as I know so many hookies out there were, were starved to see some sort of success from any hookies, uh, mainline sports and it was great to see man I, I loved every minute of it um you know and I watched three or four other games and when you watch other systems that are maybe more dribble drive focused on offense it appears they may be forcing shots more and it, it's honestly not as fun to watch at least to me it's just something so beautiful about the way Mike Young plays and, and a Mike Young coach team plays um when it comes to setting up those shots and who doesn't love the three-pointer um so, you know, based on the shooters we got on this team, uh, we're looking good so far. And it's hard to pick out pieces, obviously, from a game that was as thoroughly dominated as this one was, um, you know, and, and what's going to happen when teams maybe play a little better perimeter D, you have some help defenders that are better breaking out on the open pass. You know, that that's all yet to be seen. We're not going to be able to pull that kind of stuff out of Maine, but uh, as good of a start to the season as you could have hoped for. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, long season ahead, obviously, but Hokies off to a good start. Um, we'll continue to to monitor and we'll uh, we'll recap the the upcoming tourney and then look ahead to some of the the bigger games they have coming up next week. Um, let's jump into football if we have to. Um, you know, you Virginia Tech uh, seventeen to three loss to Boston College, and I mean, I don't I don't really have a lot to say if I'm being honest. I mean, no. It was just a pathetic performance. Um, I think the the thing that really frustrated me the most, Tim, was just the the lack of effort. It felt like yeah. it was an uninspired performance. Um, it's just a waiting game at this point, and you know I don't think anything's going to happen before the season ends. Um, as we're here on November 11th, you know we've got Senior Night coming up. I could see, you know, maybe he wanted to get through that game, but what what's it matter getting rid of Fuente now or in, in three games? It just doesn't matter. It, it is what it is. Not um, out dropping. It, it doesn't. No. So, and I mean, from from that standpoint, you know, there, there were just no, there was literally not a single good takeaway from this game. Um, I tried to find one, couldn't find one. The thing that really stood out to me, Tim, and I thought it was just kind of like a microcosm for uh, the staff was how 
unprepared Knox Kadem was. Oh my God. You know, you've got a guy who he's a play away from being on the field and Burmeister's a guy who's been battling injuries over the last few weeks. So you, you gotta know that there's a chance <laughs> Knox Kadem's going to come into the, the football game. And it wasn't just Kadem that looked unprepared and I don't want to put this on him. Okay. He's been in the program for three years. He looked like he was fresh off a JV squad. It was unbelievable. And Cornelson did him no favors with how he was calling the game. No, it was, it was just, it was the same exact game plan that they wanted to run with Burmeister. And they were like, well, we're going to try to run it with Knox and see what happens. And what happened was a bunch of garbage, 73 yards passing. For you Kadem. shouldn't need to see that to understand what's going to happen if you try to run Knox Kadem. I mean, he's physically limited compared to Braxton Burmeister. And I, like you, that was a huge frustration point with me. I think it seemed like one of the – I can't remember what play it was. It was a third down and maybe two when he had just come in. And we ran a quarterback design rollout to him that I think maybe lost a yard. And from that moment on, similar play to the interception he threw it against Richmond. Yeah. From, from that play on, I knew what we were in store for, for the rest of the game, because that's not an effective play with Knox in the game. And if you're not, if you've already got someone behind the eight ball and you come out with a game plan, that's already ineffective, but even more so even less ineffective with the type of quarterback that you have coming in, it tells me you have no plan B. And to me, that's surprising as hell. It should, well, it's not. It's surprising as hell to me that a, a group of coaches that have made their way to the Virginia Tech level, where we should be mid to upper tier in the ACC level and coaching, have no plan B. Mm-hmm. On its face, that's absurd. But given the fact that Braxton has had the issues that he's had injury wise, the fact that we're running out with no plan B at this point in the season is obscene. And this hits on multiple things. It hits on game planning. It hits on scheming. It hits on recruiting or the lack thereof. It hits on player departures. It hits on inability to identify what makes a quarterback successful at the power five level. It goes beyond all of this stuff because we look Knox is a, he's a scholarship player. He was somebody that was picked out as a guy that could effectively run this system. And he looked like a true freshman out there. Yeah. I don't even know if he was really like he was like a late flip from James Madison because they had an extra scholarship. Right. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's like he's on your football team. He's been there for three years. He's your number two. Because Taj Bullock, I guess, is nowhere near ready. Like Fuente hesitated to even put the emergency tag on the guy this week. That's how unready Taj Bullock is. Um. So and that means nothing to me. This, this staff stamp of approval when it comes to ready I mean, or not ready could not mean less to me than it already think, does. Think back to 2019, Tim. We had never seen Hendon Hooker throw a pass. Hell, he wasn't ready for two years. Wasn't ready. What happens when we, he comes We in? didn't know going into the 2019 season if, if Hooker even knew how to throw the football. And look at him now. You know, and it's like, that's a sore subject, man. Don't don't bring that up right now. That's what I'm saying. It's like, so from a coaching standpoint, 
that to me was just the biggest, my biggest takeaway from this game is just how, how much of a disaster it is there right now. And I feel bad for, for the players. I mean, there's, there's no progress being made when it comes to development. No. And, um, and Burmeister looks worse than last year. Yeah. He, that who knows what he looked like coming in, but this is year three in Justin Fuente's system for Burmeister. Does it look like year three to you? No. He hasn't played for three years, but this is year three of Braxton Burmeister being in Blacksburg. He sat out for a year last year and now this year. And so we're we're just not seeing any development. I mean, we're a little dump off pass away from having zero passing yards in the first half. Yeah. 70 in the second killed on that one. Almost died. Mm -hmm. 73 total yards passing. And um, you know, it's just, I mean, I I never thought I'd be at a point where um, I just don't care if I see the game or not at this point. Yeah. Like it's it's not fun to watch. Uh, it's frustrating. I've got better things to do with my time than to watch what what we're being presented on the field. I mean, it is freaking garbage out there. I can turn on the TV and I can watch any other school in the country, and I'm like, wow, they can move the football through the air. I don't think they're as talented as we are, but. They seem to be putting together some drives. That's been the most frustrating part about this entire season is there has just been zero progress. There's been 75 steps backwards and there's, there's no direction. The only the only bright spot on the offense right now is Turner when he plays and the emergence of Malachi Thomas. And that's it. Everything else has been absolute trash. And, you know, I I had the thought earlier this week. If you're Justin Fuente, how are you getting another job at this point? You're not. You're not getting a head coaching job. I mean, you haven't called How do you get a coordinator job? Are you going to get a quarterbacking coach job? (laughs) I mean, what can he point to? That has worked here. Disclaimer, Scott Loeffler somehow became the head coach of Bowling Green, which but it's they're Bowling regretting Green. immensely. Um, but it's Bowling Green. But it's Bowling Green. But we'll take who they can get. If he can rise to the top and become the head coach of anything, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. Anything is possible. Reach for the stars. That being said, hell no. No, given what you've seen on tape from Virginia Tech, you'd be crazy to take Fuente as a head coach at any level um, in Division I college football. I, obviously, I mean the FBS level. Um, now, obviously, his route back is going to be as a coordinator, you would think. But even that's lost a lot of luster when you see the offense that he's put his stamp on for the past three he years. He hasn't called plays in seven years. I know. I mean – So what the, – the job of an offensive coordinator – is, is to call plays on offense, yeah. to manage that unit. He's not doing it. He well, I hasn't already, I've already it. told you, I don't think he can do it. I really, at this point, he I don't think he's comfortable it. enough to do it. Otherwise, he would have done it already. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's just what I don't get. Like he'd be, I heard somebody say uh, SMU if Sonny Dykes leaves. And I just, I laughed out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Do you watch SMU play football? I mean, they're like a run and gun, high powered offense. Can you imagine Justin Fuente down there? I mean, SMU puts guys in the league. There are a ton of SMU players in the NFL, a ton of them, mostly at the wide receiver position far past what we are as an offense they would never consider fuente um they took one look at his stats and realized that's not explosive enough to me that was just the lazy oh here's an aac program but he'd be lucky to get the memphis job back in my opinion i don't think they'd do it i mean there's literally nothing he can point to that has been a success here no nothing no i mean taking away the 2016 year which the vast majority of those players weren't his, and you brought in a fully developed product and mm-hmm. Gerard Evans, a quarterback. Doesn't otherwise. Well. How many doesn't develop? How many quarterbacks have played here since Evans? Eight, nine. Yeah, somewhere around there, I'd imagine. So where's where's the development? None to be seen. I think it's in Knoxville, actually, by a different coaching staff. Funny how I that think development that's occurred almost overnight. That development occurred once he stepped foot on campus, it seems. You know, you watch, you watch Tennessee play football. I think they held the ball for five minutes uh, against Kentucky this week, and they scored like 35 points. Heupel's an offensive genius. I mean, Heupel's a good, good offensive coach. You want it's, to talk about a modern offense? But it's mostly fast-paced, right? It They're should not be. Run, it's not a complex offense. No. The receivers have seven to ten routes that they're running. They mix it up, and you've got a guy like Hooker who can who can make that happen. Who can coordinate that offense? Ball. He can make the plays. He does. God, he throws a pretty ball. I mean, he he's a perfect example of why the transfer portal is important to have in college football because he bet on himself. He goes to Knoxville. He doesn't win the job, right? And then Milton gets hurt. And then he takes full advantage of the opportunity. And now he's getting his name said for, you know, the NFL draft and who knows what will happen. But the fact is his name is in the conversation because of the decision he made to leave because he felt like he wasn't probably getting the the opportunity or the the coaching that he needed. And uh, I think we see that play out on Saturdays now. We sure do. And it, it's all the more painful when you're able to point to hallmarks of this from three years ago when we were, I think three years ago is when we started to kind of say, you know, we, the quarterbacks are not progressing in this offense at all. And, and that immediately ra- raised red flags because that's a pretty natural progression that experience typically buoys your quarterback up year after year. And it became obvious after the first few years here that that forever, whatever reason, that was not happening. I mean, I remember thinking back to Josh Jackson and, and thinking at times he looked better as a freshman than he did as a sophomore, um, you know, sophomore as a junior, all those kind of things. And it's so abnormal to see. And it doesn't take somebody who knows a ton of football to be able to pass an eye test out there and say, OK, yeah, these quarterbacks not looking a whole lot better to me. And when you see what we've got now, I mean, we are down bad. I mean, this is a, this is a struggle here. And just to hit on Knox, and this isn't a dog pile on Knox, but th- there wasn't a part of him that was prepared for that. There wasn't a part of the offense that changed when he came in, from my point of view. 
Um, and that's mostly on coaching, right? Right. It's not, that's it's what not I mean. on him. No. I mean, yeah, he had to go out there. And his fault. He looked awful. He, but. he ran the same offense Burmeister was running, except Burmeister is the fastest quarterback ever clocked from zero to 60 with a GPS tracking device. So, hell, what do you expect Knox to be able to do when he's maybe half that speed? Yeah. Um, and, and the play calling was asinine. I don't understand why we have so many designed quarterback runs when you can scheme up a read option to give your quarterback an RPO to give your quarterback an option to hand the ball off or pass or a read option to at least give a running back the threat of running the ball in addition to your quarterback. But we seem to scheme up so many plays, which are just one read. The quarterback's clearly going to keep the ball. What good does that do? What kind of elementary stone age ass offense is this? It's just, it's frustrating, but you see it every week. So it's exactly what we expected. I mean, exactly. Right. And that that's why it becomes all the more frustrating is it's like a book that you've read a thousand times and it's just starting to lose the excitement at this point because it's a known product. We know what's going to happen. We know we've seen. Oh, it. no, it, it lost its excitement a long time ago. And you just wonder why you're still reading the book. Yeah. And why that book wasn't burned a year ago. Yeah. That's the so, part that, uh, that ki- kills me completely. And the, the other thing that was super frustrating about the game was taking away all the offensive issues they were having. The bounces were just going Boston College way in that first half. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. You had the uh, Dracovic interception that was then fumbled by Strong that Boston College then recovered. You know, what was that? 25, 30 yard difference in, in field position and then they score a touchdown yeah. and then on third and 11 you know the defense bats down a pass and then it goes straight into the boston college receiver's hands they get a first down they end up kicking a field goal there so it's 10 nothing there at halftime the game really could have been nothing to nothing at halftime it probably should have been yeah but it it wasn't and i mean there was also a a clear fumble recovery by boston college that was returned for a touchdown that they blew dead so i mean you know, it worked itself out because yeah. they didn't get the touchdown there. But, you know, there it, it, it was what it was. And, I mean, Dracovic coming back, you know, could have been big. He wasn't very good. He didn't look super mm-hmm. ready. Um, maybe it was rust. I don't know. But, I mean, the defense didn't play bad. No. I mean, they only gave up 17 points. You take um, that all day, every day against any opponent. Yeah. And, we, and so, that's why – I saw a lot of people bashing the defense on Twitter after the game. And um, that was the least of our problems. I mean, I, I get that they were how, soft how on could the run you, on occasion. How could you watch that football game and the first words out of your mouth are, I can't believe Justin Hamilton uh, is our defensive coordinator. That, that was your takeaway? Yeah. That, that was the takeaway. Our defense that gave up 17 points, not our – not our offensive guru, QBU head coach, who had a guy come in who's been here for three years, throw for 73 yards against a subpar Boston College team. And yes, yeah. pass defense-wise, they're fine, but it had nothing to do with their pass defense. No. No, it didn't. And But the defense was top of mind for some people. I, that blew my mind. Yeah, it, it was way more apparent than I was expecting it to be, and I can't believe we're going to legitimately criticize the defense um, or even you scored the, three points. Always, 
There's always that rush to blame. He scored three. Or the, is the defense it. supposed to give up two points? But if you're gonna if you're gonna blame, don't do it on the defense this game. Um, the offense was an absolute train wreck. Um, I just I can't believe it. And I'll let you get to the the other stuff because I mean, by the time you get to the end of what you're gonna talk about, I d- I can't recall the last time I was this mad at a football coach in a long time. Would you be talking about the uh, injury report, Tim? No, but that's also completely asinine. Because <laughs> okay, I, honestly, I wasn't going much further in this game. Um, okay. Well, so I my, my comments out, were about summarized. You have. So what irritates me about Fuente, and I feel like this is an airing of grievances of Fuente every week, like we're Martin Luther nailing our what is it, 95 theses on the church door here. But grit, a word that I've come to hate. Grit was a huge part of the culture of this football program in general before Fuente got here. This was not a Fuente thing. This was an inherent piece of the recipe that made Virginia Tech the special program it was for 20 plus years. Grit. So Fuente comes in and I guess feels that it's important to market grit. Starts chumping his, thumping his chest about grit. Goes as far as to put grit on the bumpers of our helmets. Okay? This is a word that means something. It should mean something. Justin, I'll tell you what's not gritty. What's not gritty is punting with four minutes left down two scores. That's not gritty. And to me, that made my blood boil because I can tolerate a lot of crap. I'm a Hokies fan, man. I've been through it. I've seen some stuff, you know. Seeing that was the epitome of garbage. That is antithetical to everything this football program is about. From the very Hokie Stone itself, the unyielding Hokie Stone, the pride that we take in this football program, everything that means so much to us to go out there, co-opt a word that means something, to wear it like a cheap suit, to market it. It's so inorganic and disgusting in and of itself because there have been so many times where this team has lacked grit. But if you're going to throw that on the bumper of your helmet, you damn well better not be punting down two scores with four minutes left. That's trash. That's quitting. And of of everything that I've seen, I don't care if you're less talented. I don't care if you don't have the the money. No, no money. So we can't compete. I don't want to hear any other excuse out there because all of my problems with Justin Fuente can now be distilled into that one punt with four minutes left down two scores. You quit. And that hurts worse than anything. And I was mad as hell after that game because of that mad as hell. And I'm thinking about it and I'm still mad about it. Clearly. I thought I was over it. Thought I was over it. I'm not over it. You can't do that. You can't, you can't have the grit thing on you. The grit thing needs to be removed. You've lost all ability to have any calling card towards grit. That was soft. That was soft. Well, yeah, no, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I, uh, 
I forgot to include it in my notes. Maybe I was just so angry I blocked out of my mind. But <clears throat> you're down by two touchdowns. There's six minutes left in the game. You're calling an offense to where you're literally trying to run out the clock. Mm-hmm. Again, you're down two touchdowns. Oh, you're and then on all fours to the ball to snap it. I mean, you're taking, there's no sense of urgency whatsoever. And, and then you, then you just surrender. You just throw in the towel. You're like, I'm done. I'm done with this football game. Yeah. By punting. Yeah. It, and to me, I was just like, if, I mean, if that's not a fireable offense, I don't know. Well, that's I what, what I thought is. when I saw it, that was my first thought was, okay, well, he's, clearly going to be fired now because this is basically sticking your middle fingers to all of the Hokies watching this game, because I'm of the mindset that no matter what happens to you, I don't care if by the fourth quarter, we have our arms lopped off and our legs chopped off. We damn well better be biting the enemy's patella tendons on the way out the door. I want to see some fight until the very end. And I don't think that's too much to ask, but the players weren't even given a chance to fight. That's the worst part of it. Do you think those players would have lined up and said, yeah, let's pump there? No, they'd want to keep fighting. But who in charge and has the audacity after the I game? I wonder if it was like the conversation. Flip field position and play the field position game with right. four minutes left in a two score game. Justin, here. you have scored three points today. Yeah, great field position. You awesome. got to score two touchdowns. I wonder mm-hmm. if it went like the conversation about, hey, do we extend the bowl streak or not? I wonder I if it that. was like that kind of conversation. I still hate that too. But, you know, hey, it's what it is. I mean, they, they, uh, it was just kind of a metaphor for giving up on the season because that's, that's what it felt like right there. It's like, okay, you're giving up on the season. Like you had to win that game yeah. to have a shot at a bowl game, in my opinion. Right. Because you're not going to beat Miami. And you're not going to beat Virginia, no. at least on paper. It doesn't feel that way. They could. It's the ACC. I'm not giving but up hope. They could also lose to Duke, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a little bit. So, yeah. you know, it just felt, um, you know, it felt a little bit unbelievable. But, I mean, was it unbelievable? No, because I think we've seen it all with this coaching staff, but it is what it is. So I just want to end uh, this, uh, this, this uh, recap on this. Virginia Tech, and this is from David Hale on, on Twitter. He, he posted this out after the loss. Virginia Tech has now gone 43 consecutive games without racking up 500 yards of offense. The longest streak in the country by 11 games. That's almost a year. Illinois is second at 32, and the longest by any Power 5 team since Minnesota went 49 straight from 2009 to 2013. The last time the Hokies did have 500 yards, the last time they did have 500 yards, when they lost to Old Dominion. I hate it. Let's jump over to our ACC Week 10 recap. (laughs) Yay. Brighter days is, is all we can hope for. UNC right. 58, Wake Forest 55. So Wake's win streak comes to an end. Uh, they're still undefeated in the ACC, thanks to um, uh, the weird scheduling situation with North Carolina. But just comes down to defense for Wake. Uh, they can score with the best of them, but they cannot stop anybody on offense. 
um, and it finally caught up to him. Wasn't a great fourth quarter for Hartman. UNC's defense started to win out on some drives there. You know, I think they were down 14, or they were at least down 14 at some point in that second half. Um, it looked like Wake was going to pull away, and then Ty Chandler hit a big play on the ground. I think he had over 200 yards rushing on the day, um, and the Tar Heels got uh, got the W at home. Yeah, you know, it was uh, played out like we thought it would from an overarching, uh, you know, offense only outburst. I think we picked the over as one of the easiest bets. I don't know if we did that on the podcast or, you know, whether that was me and you talking before or after, but the over hit, um, surprise, uh, you know, and, and that was something that we certainly expected. Wake's defense, just that Achilles heel is going to be with them all year. They're going to have to outscore opponents. And to be fair to Wake, I thought that they had this game fairly in hand. I want to say the ESPN FPI gave them like a 96% chance to win at some point in the fourth quarter. And uh, much like the Syracuse game with Virginia Tech, they, they gave it away. I wonder what that's away. like to lose. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know what that's like. Um, Only happened three times this year. Again, the silver lining, not an ACC game, even though it is an ACC game. So... Right. Uh, you know, they get so to five and, still. and and they go on to NC State. Speaking of NC State, they get a 28-14 win over Florida State. Uh, another strong performance by Devin Leary, 314 through the year, four touchdowns. Uh, I feel like nobody really talks about Devin Leary. Um, no. Nope. But he's really Another good. thing I wanted to touch on there was development last year. Devin Leary not seen as good enough to be the starting quarterback two years under Tim Beck, and look at what Devin Leary is doing. Um, when I see development like that from the quarterback position, it makes me physically ill because I want that so bad for my team. Um, so hopefully when we speak of brighter days, one of those uh, components of the brighter days are that we get to see some quarterback development of our own. Um, and Devin Leary uh, certainly instills that hope, but he's playing as like one of the best quarterbacks in the nation right now, especially when you talk about efficiency. I think he's got one interception in ACC play. Um, has to be near 20 ACC touchdowns at this point passing. Um, you know, the guy's just hitting on all cylinders. And I think, you know, Tim Beck's doing a good job not doing too much with that offense. Um, you know, they're not asking him to throw the ball deep often, but when they do, they're taking smart shots. And the intermediate play calling, I think, has been fantastic on the passing side. Again, the offensive line for NC State still not hitting where it needs to hit. Um, I think that's led to a lot of offensive inconsistency for them when they had Chandler Zavala go down. That was a big loss to the left side interior of that line. And they haven't really been able to come up with a outside of Iki Aquanu, who's playing like a day one NFL pick and has all season. Um, it's kind of a hodgepodge trying to figure out, you know, who fits best where, and you know, that's led to inconsistency, but the other unheralded side of NC state has been that defense um, playing again, tremendous lost four starters pretty early. Uh, along with Isaiah Moore, Peyton Wilson, who were the two best linebackers in the ACC coming into the season, I thought. Uh, both are now gone for the season. Cyrus Fagan, um, a lot of big-time losses. C.J. Clark on the interior, and NC State just somehow keeps putting together wins. And they're in a position that they've been wanting to be in for a long time, which is destiny's in their hands. Now they've just got to handle business uh, with Wake Forest. Big game this weekend. Mm-hmm. Pitt 54, Duke 29. Uh, Duke was actually leading in this game mm -hmm. uh, late in the second quarter uh, before Pitt started to kind of lay it on. So 416 yards, three touchdowns for Pickett. Uh, he should become Pitt's all-time leading passer next week, or this week, I should say. And then Jordan Addison, uh, seven catches for 117. 
Tyler Durant had 89 yards on the ground. He became the first Duke back to rush for 1,000 yards in a season since 2003. Sixth wow. time in school history it's been done. So um, that's that was deal. the lone bright spot for Duke. They're now uh, three and six. Pitt uh, still has the one loss in the ACC. And uh, they've got a big game as well this weekend that we'll chat about here in a few minutes. Miami, 33. Georgia Tech, 30. Uh, not as uh, great of a performance that we expected, Tim, uh, but a win's a win at this point. Jalen Knighton uh, stepped up on the ground, 32 carries, 162. Another solid outing from Tyler Van Dyke, who had 389 and three touchdowns. And then Charleston Rambo was the beneficiary of most of that, seven catches for 210. Um, it was the fifth loss by nine points or less this season for Georgia Tech, the third by six points or less. And uh, getting close, getting close, but no cigar. And I think, too, um, you know, a lot of why Miami keeps letting teams stay in games is because of their issue holding on to the football. They've got yeah. a ton of issues with fumbling um, and almost cost them in this game. It's cost them in other games or interceptions or really just possessing the football. So it feels like Miami, whoever they're playing, for the most part, you know, they're going to play a close game. They're going to give that other team a chance to win. If they can sure up that, that turnover bug, uh, they're going to be a tough out, um, especially from here on out. So um, just something to mention there, but you know, Miami uh, is now five and four a game away from bowl eligibility and uh, just a lot of great games coming up this week. And they play Florida state or at least, you know, what you would think Miami, Florida state used to be a great game. Now it's like, yeah. Um, and so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Clemson 30 Louisville 24 uh, Clemson had to come from behind to win this game down 24, seven entering the fourth quarter, but they got it done. Part of why that may have happened. You know, I think uh, Malik Cunningham, he left the game injured, uh, yep. didn't return. And I think if he stays in the game, Louisville probably holds on to win. Um, Louisville has a horrible time closing out wins. Um, they've lost four of their last five. They've had a chance to win almost all of them. Uh, they had 223 yards rushing in this game. It's the most Clemson has allowed all year. You know, you think about the UVA loss that they had. They were up 17 points or something, 16 points entering the fourth quarter. Blew it, lost. This game, 14 points, or four, seven points, blew it, lost. DJU, one of his better performances of the year, 220 yards passing, two touchdowns, had a rushing touchdown late to kind of uh, to take the lead. And Clemson moves to six and three, so still sitting there with two losses in the ACC, but they only have one game left in conference play, and that's Wake next week, not this mm -hmm. week. So they can literally just kind of sit there and some things may may or may not work themselves out because you've got NC State with some big matchups coming up. You've got Wake with some big matchups coming up. NC State's obviously already got the win over Clemson. If they can take care of, of business against Wake Forest this week, you'd have to think NC State's in the driver's seat, but they've got that big matchup with North Carolina at the end of the season. So uh, the Atlantic, really kind of all eyes on the Atlantic. I think um, – the Coastal could get really interesting this weekend if uh, if Pitt yeah. loses, um, yeah. and and we'll see if that happens. But 
Any uh, any other comments for you to to close out week ten in the ACC? No, just that Clemson game was stunning to me. Um, it's a shame Cunningham went down, not only because I picked Louisville, but just because uh, you know they really had a stranglehold there and completely fell apart. And again, seeing Clemson with thirty points in the box score certainly feels a little strange at this point in the season. Yeah, it does. So let's uh, let's jump over to Duke. I don't have a ton of, of things to say about this upcoming game because um, it's Duke and Virginia Tech, which are two of the worst teams in the ACC right now. Uh, it's senior night in Blacksburg. Yes. Um, so that's always good. Virginia Tech seems to perform well when it's senior night. Um, 20-something Hokies are going to be recognized. Not sure exactly who yet. Dax uh, is not amongst those guys. He said he's coming back. Um, Amari Barno is going to participate. I'd have to imagine he's not coming back. Uh, James Mitchell, I'd imagine, is probably going to participate. But just because they participate doesn't mean that they're they're not coming back. It's just sure. maybe a, a leading indicator that they may not be. It's also uh, the Virginia Tech Hall of Fame ceremony as well, I believe. Um, at least uh, they're going to honor some guys um, on the field, including probably my favorite Hokie of all time, Macho oh, Harris. He's up there. Macho. Uh, he's going he's gonna to be, be in Blacksburg. Um, but uh, man, for me, that's reason enough to attend if you were looking for a reason. But last time to be in lane before next season uh, when there will certainly uh, be a new era amongst us at that point. Uh, the opponent's obviously not very good, probably the worst team in the ACC, um, but we're probably second or, or third worst. Um, Duke is three and six. They've lost five straight. That includes 0 and 5 in the ACC. Uh, there's only one game in the ACC that has been decided by less than 10 points that they've lost, and that was a four-point loss to Georgia Tech. The next closest scoring margin uh, was a 25-point loss. Uh, which was to pit last week. Golly. Um, all of their games, they've lost by 31 points or more. Insanity. You'd also have to imagine this is probably the end of the Cutcliffe era. Oh, yeah. Conservatively. Whether it's Duke Brass or uh, Cutcliffe, you know, leaving on his own, you'd have to imagine that, uh, that Duke is going to make a change. Um, all that he's done to restore the program has basically come full circle, to be honest. I mean, Duke just hasn't been super competitive the last few seasons. Um, that being said, they can absolutely win this game. I don't think they will, but they can. Um, so I've got two keys to the game, Tim. Keeping it simple. One is stopping Mateo Durant. He's averaging five yards per carry uh, for an offense that's 11 in the league in rushing. Uh, that's 5.65 yards per play he's averaging. He's the fifth leading rusher in the country, and he's also third in the team in receptions and, and 23 catches. So Duke overall, fourth in the ACC at 191 rushing yards per game. Um, it has gone down since uh, they started ACC play, but I have a feeling if uh, Duke is going to score some points, it's going to be with Durant. and. Virginia Tech has has struggled to stop some backs here in the last uh, few weeks and just throughout the season. Yeah, 
playing the Jamal Charles role a little bit for Duke. And, um, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with for sure, but you focus on containing Durant and containing Duke, she'll follow. So it becomes one thing you want to watch out for, but in theory, something that should be fairly easy to game plan for. Uh, For the Hokies on offense, it's run the football. It's less about Duke and more about Virginia Tech uh, and what's going on with that quarterback position. So no idea if Burmeister is going to play. Uh, If he can't go, doesn't appear there's a guy on the the roster that can throw a football, and that includes Connor Blumrick. I mean, it sounds like Blumrick's back. sounds like he's in practice. Um, So I would suspect we see him sprinkled throughout uh, the offense at times, or if, if Burmeister can't go, he's probably starting, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know how you throw Knox Kadem back out there after what we saw last week. No. Um, and then comments around Tosh Bullock were, well, he's not, he's not even ready to really kind of be in an emergency situation. So that wasn't a ringing endorsement. So it's going to be Burmeister or Blumrick, you'd have to guess. If Burmeister can go, he's he's likely going to play. Um, so really what it comes down to is probably running the ball 60 times. Uh, there's going to be a healthy amount of uh, of Malachi Thomas, of Raheem Blackshear. So we'll see what happens there. But um, that's really kind of the only chance for Union Tech has to, to move the ball offensively in this game if Burmeister is not uh, the guy at, uh, at quarterback. Yeah. No, and if we're going to come out with the same game plan that we came out with last week, seeing as there's no plan B, when you look at skill sets individually, it certainly seems that Blumrick would be a more ideal fit uh, for some of the quarterback running that we like to do uh, and and throwing probably a wash between the two. Um, So if you're looking for a better chance to win, you know, I think we'll see Blumrick in that game. and, you know, given the opponent, I think Blumrick should give us enough in that offense to, to get us the victory. Um, but it is going to there is zero confidence in my voice when I say that. Um, it just the wind is out of the sails. That's for sure. I'll be interested to see how many uh, how many people show up. I hope a lot. I really hope the seniors deserve it. Um, you know, senior class that's left it all out in the field for Virginia Tech, a lot of really good names that you just rattled off, guys that are unsung heroes and guys that have put in a lot of work for the program. And regardless of how everybody feels about Justin Fuente, Lord knows I feel every ounce of your angst. Um, you know, I hope the stadium is as full as it possibly can be for those seniors. Um, you know, I think when it comes to other optics like the potential booing that may occur when Fuentes on the jumbotron and the chance. Um, yeah, it won't look great, but those have been earned at this point. I just hope that whoever is in the stands, make sure uh, that you show your appreciation for those Hokies because uh, those are our guys and we've got to ride or die till the end. And um, you know, they've given more blood, sweat and tears than I ever will to this program. And for that, I am eternally grateful to those guys. So any, um, any final words before we jump into the picks? No final words, just a weird Duke team 
Cutcliffe seems to, the gas doesn't seem to be in the tank for him. Um, it's been a hell of a year for him. It's been a slug or a slog, I guess I should say a slug, maybe, I don't know, but a slog is the word I was looking for. Um, you know, focus keying on Durant. Obviously that's the game plan. I think, you know, we know what we're, we, at least we should know what we're going to get from the defense while our run defense can be a little soft at times. While I haven't been happy with the play of the defensive line as a whole, as far as push goes, uh, tier link is not one of my favorite people in the world right now. Um, that may cause some issues with Durant and he may have a little bit more running space. Um, but I fully expect the, the Hokies to pull it off. So, um, no real final thoughts as, uh, you know, as it were right now, but we can go ahead and roll into the picks. All right. So, uh, Virginia tech is an 11 and a half point favorite. How do you see that chicken out? 11 and a half is a lot of points for a team that doesn't score a whole lot to begin with. Um, you know, I think it's important to remember how bad I think this Duke team has been because as bad as Virginia Tech has been, they've somehow been quite a bit worse. Um, so when looking at that 11 and a half, I expect Virginia Tech to cover the spread. Um, we should be winning this game by multiple touchdowns. And even though that's come back to bite me multiple times throughout the course of the season, if we have, even with Blumrick in there, I feel confident in a multiple touchdown win. So, um, yeah, I'm taking Virginia Tech to cover. Really? I'm taking Duke to, uh, to cover the 11 and a half. I don't see how Virginia Tech beats Duke by more than 12 points at this point. I've got a 31-26 uh, final. Uh, Hokies on top, but Duke covers. UNC at Pitt. Pitt is a six and a half point favorite. Who you got? I am going to go with Pitt in this one just because there's so much on the line for them. Um, we know what we've been getting from that Pitt offense. Uh, UNC's offense certainly had an explosive week against Wake Forest, but again, that was Wake Forest. Defense is a little better on Pitt's side, not a whole lot. Um, you know, I'm not very confident in that pick at all, but I'm just going to go with the team that, that really needs to keep winning. Um, and UNC, again, they're one of those teams that seem to have lacked consistency all year. They're starting to find it a little bit again, but due to the inconsistency prior, I expect them to stumble a little bit. Uh, so I expect Pitt to cover that spread. There really hasn't been much coastal chaos this year. No. There's been one team at the top for most of the year. It's been Pitt. Right. They're starting to slip, though. Mm -hmm. They lost to Miami. They battled through two quarters with a horrible Duke team. UNC can score some points, okay? In a hurry. And uh, they do struggle to slow teams down, but they can do enough on defense when it matters most. And, and what we've seen with Pickett is he's made some mistakes in big moments this year. It cost him in the Miami game. Um, we need coastal chaos. Agreed. We need it. It, it needs to chaos on this side of things. We need needs that. to reemerge. Um, this would be the definition of that. Um, I'm taking UNC plus six and a half. They've got a shot to win. I don't know if they win or not. Um, but this feels, it feels to me like just in my gut, that North Carolina is going to come out on top in this game. I don't know why. It's just the feeling that I have. I just – Pitt's sitting here at 7-2. and two. 
Pitt's Pitt's just a perennial seven and five football team. Yeah, I mean, would it shock you if Pitt just went loss, loss, loss to close out the year? And I, no. I don't know who who's on their schedule just off the top of my head, but it's not a. I think it's like, no, it, it's uh, UNC, uh, Syracuse, and UVA. They could lose all those games. I mean, it's 100%. not out of the realm of possibility. No. So. Nope. But yeah, a, if, uh, if, Pitt were, if Pitt is to lose, it sets up a huge game with Virginia next week. Yes, it does. Uh, UConn at Clemson. So Clemson is a 40 and a half point favorite. <laughs> so UConn yeah. bad. I mean, UConn is historically bad. But Clemson's going to have to score 41 points if they <laughs> shut them out. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it. It feels like I can't do it. It feels like Vegas is just daring you to bet on Clemson. Oh, they are. They that's what this is. And I'm not falling for that trap. They've just last week, but they've cast they've cast the the lure out there. And they're they're trying to get you. There's uh there's only one ACC game left for Clemson, like I mentioned earlier. Currently sitting at five and two, outside shot of the Charlotte appearance. UConn is one and eight. <laughs> they parted ways with their head coach Randy Etzel, who, if if you're not familiar with Randy Etzel, he shouldn't have been a coach, anyways. <laughs> um, really, this program itself is in shambles. Yeah. Um, I just don't like the spread. Yeah, it's forty and a half points. Dan I mean, Orlovsky's UConn Huskies. That's for sure. Well, and even if it, <laughs> even if it was, you know, it, it just doesn't matter. This this forty and a half point, even if Clemson shuts him out, which I think there's a very good chance they do. Oh, for sure. I mean, I just don't see them scoring forty one points. Yeah. No. So me being clearly the best picker on this in podcast t- in twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty one. First year of tracking it, <laughs> wide margin, very, very, very big. We don't need to get into that. Can edit that huge, huge even. Um, I'm going to tell you to just stay away from this game. I would just stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, Syracuse at Louisville. Louisville is a three and a half point favorite. Do you got? Louisville, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Do we know the specifics on the Cunningham injury yet? <clears throat> he's back at practice, so I okay. think he's playing. Hammer Louisville all the way. Cover the spread. Yeah, I'm taking Louisville, too. Um, if uh, Cunningham wasn't playing, I wouldn't. Me either. Um, but too much firepower at the end of the day for Syracuse to keep up, in my opinion. Uh, could be close. But uh, they'll probably hang around for a while. But I think Louisville pulls away at the end. Miami at Florida State. Miami is a two and a half point favorite. So, with the way Van Dyke is playing, and I'm not impressed. It doesn't matter who you got running out, whether it's Milton or Travis at FSU. Um, just. I, there's no way I can I can go on the FSU side of things here. I, I think with what you got with Van Dyke and that passing offense, um, Miami, not a great team. 
um, for Florida State, a worse team. So uh, give me Miami to cover the spread on that one. Yeah, Miami, not a great team, but playing much better. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of outside of the issues I mentioned earlier. Uh, FSU has been playing better, but I just don't like what's going on at that quarterback position. Uh, Just has not been a high level of play there. Um, They're three and six. They're going in an opposite direction of Miami at this point. Uh, So two and a half points seems like a pretty surefire bet. Yeah, this is almost a lock for me. Boston College at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, one and a half point favorite. Who you got? I see Djurkovic being back gives me a little bit of pause here. Um, If we get the Djurkovic of last week, I like Georgia Tech. Um, You mentioned how they tend to keep games close. They're, They're close to turning that corner. I think this might be a Turner corner here. Um, Something about Jerkovic just looked off in a really terrible way against Virginia Tech. And I don't think it was necessarily what Virginia Tech was doing. It was more something like you mentioned, either mentally or whether there was rust there, that he was just not the same guy as he was pre-injury. I'm going to go Georgia Tech Yeah, I think he's still hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I think he is too. Only because of what I saw from Jerkovic was so far and away different than what I had saw from him from him pre-injury that I just can't imagine a scenario in which he plays up to what we were seeing before. I think whatever he's dealing with, whether it be a mental issue, uh, a rust from not playing for, you know, three or four weeks, um, longer than that. Um, and I like Georgia tech. I, they're getting close. They're not, they're not getting blown out in games athletically. I I think they're going to be a good matchup for Boston college. I think the offensive-defensive line matchup there is going to be a little iffy because I do love Boston College's defensive line. I think they're body movers. They're big. They're nasty, as they usually are. Um, but I think Georgia Tech is going to have the edge in this one. And with the spread as low as it is, give me the bees. I'm going to go Boston College mm. just because Dracovic's back. Yeah. Um, didn't play great against Virginia Tech, which we all saw, but – First game back, battling through injury. You figure out how to play with injury if you're good enough to go. I think you will. Um, And Georgia Tech, just the reason they lose a lot of these close games is because they make mistakes. So Mm -hmm. um, I think Djurkovic, if he's close to being healthy, is probably the best offensive player um, on the field uh, for both teams. So I'm going to lean Boston College, but it's a toss-up game. Uh, It's a toss-up per the line. Uh, yeah. Notre Dame at UVA. Notre Dame is a five and a half point favorite. Should be an interesting game. How you lean it? UVA. Give me that high powered offense. Um, I think the Notre Dame offense is going to score, but I think the matchup could be much worse for Virginia defense, which leaves a lot to be desired. I think that the Notre Dame offense is one that can be contained even with a subpar defense. And I don't mean contained as in shut out. I don't mean contained as, as in held under 30 points. Uh, what I do mean is I have full faith and confidence in Virginia's offensive uh, abilities and specifically through the air. Um, I expect them to take advantage and I think they could even win uh three you know maybe one score win over notre dame that wouldn't necessarily surprise me um so yeah give me uva all day on that one uh i'm gonna go notre dame 
Um, I knew it. I think Notre, you can't, you can't Notre, get over that Brady Quinn thing you got. <laughs> Listen, you know, I love Brady Quinn. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. I think I've got a Brady Quinn football around here somewhere. I know you do. I'll have to, I'll have to pop it out next week. Um, Cleveland Browns football. Um, UVA is one of those teams where they they put up huge numbers against bad football teams. Mm-hmm. But where they where they struggle is against those better teams, those teams that know how to play defense, those teams that know how to make adjustments. Look at the BYU game, for example. BYU is not exactly a, a great uh, defensive football team, but UVA put up 49 points on them in the – or 42 points on them in the first half and finished with 49. Yeah. BYU at 38 points, finished with 66. So the inability of UVA to make those adjustments against good football teams and to be able to slow teams down, uh, to me, puts this in Notre Dame's favor. Can they beat Notre Dame? Sure. Um, I thought – UNC in that game and Notre Dame beating them by 10 um, kind of gave me an indication of, of how I see Notre Dame. And at this point, Notre Dame only got one loss still, and that's the yeah. Cincinnati. And so um, I think UVA is, is, is one-dimensional. Um, I think Notre Dame will make them uh, even more so one-dimensional. Um and, and really kind of take away what they can do a lot from that, from a passing standpoint. So I think the game could be close uh, at times, but I think uh, Notre Dame ends up winning by 10 or more. NC State at Wake Forest, game of the week. Wake is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Critical stretch of the schedule for Wake. Obviously lost last week to UNC, not a conference game. Plays four and one NC State this week. After NC State, they're on the road at Clemson and on the road at Boston College to finish the season. High leaning in this matchup. I'm not going to overthink it. Um, I think State's defense gives them an advantage in this game. I think the Wake Forest defense versus the NC State offense scares no one on the NC State side of the ball. I think they will move the ball with relative ease where I do think they'll be effective and slowing Wake down a little bit is going to be with that defensive matchup versus their offense. I think it's going to be one of the tougher uh, defenses that Wake Forest will have played to this point in the season. Um, and I think, you know, obviously they're going to have to follow that up with another tough matchup against Clemson. Um, but this Wake Forest, obviously a team NC State is very familiar with, very familiar with the concepts that they run. Um, granted, this is about as, as – an efficient as high flying of a wake forest a scheme that you're going to find over the years is going to be a tough matchup for Dave Dorn and the bunch. Um, but I think NC state's going to beat the spread here and, and win a football game. Yeah, I think it's state's going to win as well. Um, a lot of the reasons you cited Dave Clawson also struggles in the month of November. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's just the cold weather. Um, I think it's, that's when Wake Forest's schedule always seems to really kind of pick up as far as caliber of player if or caliber of opponent. If you look at Wake Forest's schedule to start the season, like there were a couple of good teams on there, but it wasn't Murderer's Row. Um, 
all of their big games have been saved for November. Um, I'll, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there, but um, I think uh, I think NC State is going to be able to pull this out. I think Devin Leary's too good, and um, like you said, I think they'll be able to slow down the Wake Forest offense just enough and be able to keep up offensively as well. So, so that's our show for today. Uh, Tim, any uh, any final words before we wrap this one up? No, just shout out to Hendon Hooker going against the number one team in the country in a rivalry game between Georgia and Tennessee at Neyland Stadium. Um, folks should tune in for that one, I think. Spread maybe around 19 and a half, 20-ish, somewhere around there. It's not You're right. We forgot our, our random pick of the week. Yeah. So what is this yours? What, what this is this would have been? Yeah. Okay, let's let's go for it. I got to look one up real quick. Okay. Well, let's call it 20. Um, the spread there, and you can verify after the show. Um, but it being at Neyland, it being a rivalry game, Hendon being blood of my blood as a hokey. Um I'm going to roll with Tennessee in that pick. I think they've got a good shot at keeping that one fairly close. And while I don't expect them to win, I think they can make it interesting with that offense. Um, you know, Georgia, not exactly a high powered offense. Obviously everybody's going to lean and look at the dogs and the defensive side of the football, but um, I think a matchup, at least on paper that lends itself well to a potentially close game and one that I'm going to be watching just to see Hendon uh, and what he can do against what I think is the best defense in college football. Yeah, that's um, it's an interesting game because Georgia has just been not blowing teams out of the water with points no. offensively, but defensively. I mean, just killing teams yeah. defensively. So uh, this one seems like low-hanging fruit in my backyard here in Nashville. Kentucky on the road at Vandy. Kentucky is a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Easy money. I mean – might have to put a 50 burger or more on that's too low there so that's uh that seems like a, a pretty surefire win to me but mm-hmm. that's uh that's our show for today uh we are chowder and grits we appreciate you guys listening uh tim why don't you tell everybody what they can do for us leave a five star review and you can tell by the five fingers i just held up to the camera tell your friends tell your family let them know where they can hear the uh, sweet overtures of our voices discussing ACC happenings and more importantly, Virginia Tech specific happenings. Um, keep interacting with us on game day. We love talking to you guys. Keep tuning into the new YouTube channel. We got more than one view on our first video, which is bypassing all expectations. Remember, we are the number one chowder related podcast in America. You can prove this to yourself. Search Chowder in your podcast app will be the number one thing to pop up. So that's a huge victory for us. Use us while we take a victory lap. Um, and keep uh, doing everything that you guys do for us at this point, which is listening and uh, being awesome people. So if you can do that, we'll be happy again. Exactly. We appreciate everything. Uh, go Hokies. Beat Duke. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you, seniors. <laughs>